Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. So I wonder, have you ever participated in something that involves you needing to stand out? I remember the year being 2014, and I found myself uh, on a Bucks weekend celebrating a friend of mine that was about to get married. Now, you might not be familiar with a Bucks weekend or a Bucks experience, pretty much what you do, handful of lads get together and they celebrate the groom who's about to get married. Now, the Bucks uh, days and weekends that I've participated in uh, with a handful of friends have always had a theme. They like to dress up uh, to make it more memorable for everyone, you know, a variety of themes I've experienced. My own uh, Bucks was a onesie theme, and uh, I scored myself a pink leopard print onesie to wear for the whole weekend. We evolved from there to which one I think would be my favourite was super, uh, was um, Australian icons, and uh, I dressed up as Steve Irwin. My mate dressed up as Bindi Irwin, and we kind of ran around, you know, the far north of Victoria, jumping on anything and everything, and just saying "crikey" every opportunity uh, we got to. And then we got to superheroes, which was this box that we were being on, where you had to dress up and create your own superhero and your own superpower. And you needed to be wearing it on the second day of the Bucks weekend. The first day, which is Friday, Friday night, we're all jumping in the minibus, all 14 guys, and we're heading down on the Great Ocean Road to a place called Apollo Bay. That's where we were going to start. So that's what we did. We went down there, set up camp Friday night, Saturday rolled around, and you needed to come out of your tent in your outfit to demonstrate to everyone else which superhero you are. So I went back to uh, other bucks, and I thought the lads obviously liked me in the pink leopard print onesie. So I thought I'd bring that one back out, take that for a spin, put a nice little blue cape on, and start marching around the campsite. We packed up camp, and we headed into Main Street, Apollo Bay, where we were going to have breakfast together. And so we pull in, we all get off the minibus, 14 guys dressed in some very colourful and expressive outfits. And you know what? I'm not sure if you've ever been, you know, walking down a main street where people are all dressed up in lots of different things. Like you take notice of them. You cannot miss them at all. Matter of fact, the tourists didn't even miss us in Apollo Bay, asking to have photos with us. I'm like, I'm having photos of people. Like, I don't even know, but I'm on some, some other people's social media accounts and I'm okay with that. So after we did our photo shoot unexpectedly, had breakfast, jumped back in the bus, we started to head off to a place called Lawn. And uh, just as the bus is about to head out, the best man introduces a new rule. He says, all right, lads, we're going to spice up this weekend together. He goes, if any of you do anything that is deemed to be soft and someone calls you out on that and the rest of the bus chants your name, the bus will pull over and you'll be kicked off the bus. And then you'll need to figure out your way to catch up. You could walk, you could wait for the public bus, you could get a cab. Like, it's up to you. Hard rubbish bike, whatever you find, take that and catch up. The bus will stop every 20 to 30 kilometres for a period of time. Because, however, if you call someone out for being soft and no one else chants, you get kicked off the bus. So it's like risk and reward kind of like going together. So the bus heads off and um, start heading towards Lawn, and we're having some audio issues in our bus. The AV jack wasn't working, radio wasn't working, so my mate Hayden had gone into an op shop, 
how good are op shops, and goes in there and buys a CD, some compilation uh, CD, and he slides it in. And the music that he starts to play is like 90s love songs and dedications, pumping around our bus. I'm thinking to myself, this is a lad's weekend. Like, I did not order Celine Dion to be singing around the bus. Like, my heart will go on, but I don't need her to tell me that my heart will go on. So people start looking around the bus going, Hayden's got to go. Like, this is not on. So when someone calls him out, says, yeah, Aiden, put on romance music. Yeah, that's, we'll call that soft. So we start chanting his name and that magical sound happens. Tick tock, tick tock. The bus pulls over. Aiden has to get off the bus. I've never been so excited to kick someone off a bus in my life. Because we're waving him and like he's got this very revealing short shorts, very tight top. And we're like thinking to, thinking to ourselves, he's got a long way to go. Like he's athletic, but he's got a long way to go to catch up to us. We keep driving along. And over the next nine kilometres, another nine guys get kicked off the bus, called out for all these different things. I'm person number 10, and I got kicked off the bus, which I'm still semi-dark on to this day, because we're driving along. If you've ever experienced the Great Ocean Road, beautiful part of the world. And uh, I just go to the guys, gee, how incredible is the view? Like, how incredible is God's creation? They're like, Dubs is getting mushy with creation. Dubs, hey, Dubs. I was like, are you serious? Like, this is amazing. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Off the bus. I'm standing there on the side of the road, pink, leopard print, tight onesie, going, I cannot believe I got kicked off the bus for that. Like, that is not soft. This, this needs a review. This system is just about kicking people off the bus. This is not right. So I'm looking around going, there's nothing here. So I start walking along the Great Ocean Road. Come across a, uh, a bus sign, looked at the public bus, is still 90 minutes away. A new lawn was about 10, 15 kilometres away. I was like, look, I can, I can run that, that'll be okay. But as I'm walking along the side of the road, the one thing that I didn't expect was all the attention that I would get. Like, there's plenty of cars that are honking on the way past, people putting down their windows, telling me what they think about my outfit, uh, describing what they think I look like in words that I can't repeat in church, but it was very informative, I'll say that. They must have been having a great time. You know, you think about there's nine other guys before me, people must have been thinking there's like some sort of like carnival on the Great Ocean Road. Like everyone's dressing up, who's next? Who will appear next? But as the honking and the abuse continued to take place, it wasn't as fun anymore. And I had this thought, you know, while I'm just walking along, you know what, being dressed up, being a little bit silly, standing out from everybody else was so much easier when everyone else was doing it. But when I was the only one doing it, it was not appealing to do at all. And maybe think, how true is that for us as human beings? Sometimes it's just easier not to stand out. Sometimes it's just easier or more convenient to blend in and to do what everybody else is doing. Let's give you an example. Let's talk about faith for a moment. You know, living out our faith in an environment like this or wherever you're engaging with us today um, is easy or easier because we're in an environment of people that uh, have maybe put their trust in Jesus or in an environment where people are exploring who Jesus is. But once you leave this space or wherever you're engaging with us today, you could experience a different response. You know, around here, everyone's like high-fiving in a COVID-safe way, but we're all like, we're up and about, we're cheering each other on, we're going to help people uh, progress in their faith. 
But once you step into a different place, maybe your, your, your workspace, maybe uh, your family home, or maybe some other sporting team that you're involved in could actually shift the response that people give you when it comes to faith. Now, some people may respect you for it. They might, hey, I respect you for that. Others may question, well, why, why would you even believe in God? Some might even project on you their own personal opinion. Their own, why would you follow an irrelevant, out-of-touch, out-of-date God or religion? And when it comes to that and living out our faith outside these four walls or the four walls that we're engaging with today, it can generate tension in us around standing out and living out our faith because sometimes it's going to push us out of our comfort zone to live out our faith. Sometimes it's going to challenge the mindset and the mentality that we have around we need to be ready or I need to have everything sorted in my life to live out my faith or even question the confidence that we have. And today in the time that I have with you, I want to continue this series. We've been looking at 1 Thessalonians and we've called this series uh, Living Faith. Now this book was written by a guy called Paul who's written a series of letters that feature across the New Testament. And matter of fact, this letter, 1 Thessalonians, is actually considered to be one of the first written by Paul to the people of Thessalonica. Another time, this community of faith was actually flourishing from reports on the ground that they get from a guy called Timothy. Flourishing, even though they're in a challenging time, they're experiencing hardship, they're experiencing opposition and persecution for their faith. Now, Paul and Silas were actually originally there, but needed to leave because they were accused of going against Caesar because they were going around saying, there's another king and his name is Jesus. You read about that in Acts 17, verse 7. And so because Paul and Silas are going around saying, hey, there's another king, his name is Jesus, man, it turned up the, the spiritual temperature, but also the pushback and opposition and hardship that this community started to face. And so because of that, Paul and Silas actually had to flee. And so this letter, 1 Thessalonians, is Paul's way of reconnecting with this community. So today we're going to uh, look at the first part of chapter 2. We're going to look at how we can be people that live out our faith. I'd love you to read along with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. Here's how it goes down. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. As, as you know, but with the help of our God, we, we dared to tell the gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from uh, error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Verse 4, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children. Verse 8, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we delighted to share with you not only in the gospel of God, but in our lives as well. And surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Verse 10, 
You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as an actual word, it is the word of God, which indeed at work in you who believe. Verse 14, for you, brothers and sisters, become imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. So from this letter, I just want to draw out three things that we can do to live out our faith. The first one is this. If you're writing notes, I'd love you to write this down. Be courageous. You know, living out your faith in all environments, in all the spaces and places that we step into, isn't always easy or convenient. Matter of fact, living out our faith can actually cost you. Now, in the context of this letter, it costs you to put your trust in Jesus. And for some, what they experienced was actually hostility. They experienced hostility from their neighbor. For some, they actually experienced isolation from their friends and their family. And when we look at the life of Paul, he was someone who experienced hardship. He was someone that experienced opposition. He was someone that experienced persecution. He experienced the cost that comes with following Jesus. We see a reference of that in 1 Thessalonians 2.2 when he mentions this. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously. So what did it look like for him to suffer and to be treated outrageously. It looked like beatings, being stripped down and beaten. Some would say illegal beatings and also imprisonment. But this isn't the only time that Paul or Silas experience opposition and hardship for their faith. Go back into the book of Acts. We read another experience, Acts 17, verses 5 to 9. This is how it goes down. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search for Paul and Silas in order to bring them out, out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world, and now they have come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying, There's another king. One called Jesus. When they, heard this, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. And then they made Jason and the others post a bond and to let them go. A constant pattern of opposition, hardship and persecution for Paul. And even with all this happening, he is still prepared to do the work. He is still prepared to live out his faith. He's still prepared to pay the cost of sharing the gospel with this community and other communities that he's going to go to. And you know what? That is courage. That's courage. When you are prepared to stand and to live out what you believe in the face of opposition, in the face of hardship, in the face of persecution, that is courage. Now, opposition looks a little bit different in our context because we're not getting pulled down to Rundle Mall. We're not being stripped. We're not being beaten. We're not being imprisoned for our faith here where we're based as a church. 
even though that still happens in parts of the world today. We can still experience opposition. We can still experience hardship in our, in our faith. It just might look a little bit different because we too, we can experience a hesitancy towards the gospel. We can experience people's level of skepticism between, b- towards Christians and what they believe and what they are, are about. We too can experience uh, isolation from others. We can experience isolation from family members, uh, people in our workplace. We can be isolated in other forms from culture. We can feel the opposition in the, in the shifting worldview. Just be anything that you want to be. Just don't be a Christian. You can be anything else. You can believe anything else. Just don't put your trust and hope in Jesus. And you know what? We can experience the tension in that. We can feel that shift in the worldview. We too can experience opposition. So it leads me to this question. Where do we draw our courage from? Where do we draw our courage from when we're in the face of hardship, opposition, or even persecution? Paul gives us an insight of where we can find it. 1 Thessalonians 2.2. He says, you find it with the help of our God. And we and Paul can be courageous because of who we're connected to. We can be courageous because of who we have access to. We can stand and be courageous because he is the one that gives us the courage to stand. He is the one that gives us the courage to live out our faith. And you know what? We just can't just drum up our own courage on our own. There's no self-help book that will get us there. There's no podcast that will get us there. The true courage to live out our faith, the way that God wants us to live it out, will come out of a connection. It'll come out of a relationship that we have with Him. So I wonder, where do you get your courage from? Who do you depend on to be courageous, to live out your faith? The second thing we can do to live out our faith is to live consistently. Because how we carry and conduct ourselves at all times says a whole lot about the Jesus that we claim to follow. You know, the greatest thing to undermine us living out our faith is an inconsistent lifestyle, where we're one person in one environment, and then we're somebody completely different in another environment. And you know what? We might be experiencing one of those people today. Today, we might be experiencing, let's call it Sunday you. If you're watching On Demand during the week, you just pick the day of the week that you engage with our church. But let's run with Sunday you. And that's what we experience. You know, you know the songs. You know, you might raise your hands in certain parts because you're like, yeah, I really like that part. You know the scriptures, you know the prayers, you, you know there's three ways to give. Um, you know to click connect with us if you're joining us online. And it's just a show. You know the process. But then service wraps up, gets in the car, go into your week. Then there's Monday you, Tuesday you, Wednesday you, Thursday you, Friday you, Saturday you. And there's this clear disconnect between the Jesus that you claim to follow right now and how you actually live your life. There's this disconnect in how you carry yourself. There's this disconnect in how you treat your people in your workplace or your spouse. There's this disconnect between how you conduct yourself maybe in board meetings. There's this disconnect. People would look at you and they wouldn't even see Jesus. 
And there's this clear misalignment between the character and nature of God and our own personal lives. And you know what? When we have a clock in, clock out faith, it's noticeable. When we're inconsistent in our faith and how we carry ourselves, it's noticeable. And you know what? Inconsistency stands out. And you know, for Paul, he's saying, hey, we can't be inconsistent. He's flagging this, not just to this community, but he's actually flagging it to all of us. Because in the context for him, people are asking him questions around his motivation, around behaviors of other people. And in response, this is what he says, 1 Thessalonians 2.10, you are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous and blameless we are, we were among you. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So with all these accusations flying around, you know what Paul does? He points to his consistency. He says, you know what? We are holy. We are righteous. We are blameless. And then he pushes it out. You see this common language in his letter around for you, pushing it out to us. The here is pushing it out into this community. He says, really, for you, I want you to live a life worthy of God. Now, when I look back at my own life, I would love to stand before this community and say, you know what? Definition of consistency right here, people. Look at me. Follow me. I'm it. But if I'm, like, honest, I can look back at moments in my life where I was inconsistent. Like, there's this huge disconnect between the Jesus that I claim to follow and how I actually lived my life. I remember a time in my mid-20s, I returned to play cricket at a different club. And uh, I'd started playing cricket uh, with a friend of mine that I was working with at the gym. And uh, he, he just invited me. He said, hey, Dubsy, come play my team. I'm the captain. be great to have you. I said, no worries. And comes around to round one. And uh, we're doing the warm-up together. And uh, as we're doing the warm-up, we, we sit down in this big circle to do our, our stretching. And uh, this is when I learned a little bit about the culture and the conversation that happens around this club especially with this team uh, of guys that faced me with a choice. Do I do what everyone else is doing or do I hold my ground? So as we're kind of going around, uh, one of the guys says, all right, for all the new players, because we have new people in the circle today, all right, this is what we do. During our stretching time, we all go around the circle and we're going to talk about women. And we're going to talk about people that we've scored with uh, throughout the week. Uh, we're going to talk about what websites or magazines are helping us get up and about. And then we're all individually going to share our experiences with each other. Seeing myself, right, eh? Interesting chat. Like, I came from a Premier League cricket club. Usually we talk about the opposition. It's a bit different. But I'm faced with a choice. Do I just join in with the convo, with the lads? You're the new guy. Or would I actually hold my ground on some things that I believe to be true and things that I personally value? So it goes around, 
the circle, I'm person number five. And so it gets around to me. This guy who's initiated the conversation goes, all right, Dubsy, your turn. Tell us. I was like, I think you're going to be pretty disappointed. Um, this is something that I, I don't, I try not to participate in. Um, I find it like disrespectful, dishonoring just to women in a whole. Um, I find it dishonoring to my girlfriend, who was Laura at the time. Um, so that's what I think about this topic. It was like dead silent. I'm like thinking to myself, Jesus, take me now. Like, suck me into the clouds. Let's go. Like, no one's looking at each other. And you know, like you have these awkward pauses. I just feel like an eternity. But then the captain, my mate, pops up. And all he says is, good on you, Dubsy. Good on you for being consistent. Now, that guy was the only other guy that's experienced me in a different environment. And for him, he would have heard me talk about this before. You know, gym culture, they talk about this stuff a fair bit. But for him, this was the first time he's hearing me talk about it in a different environment where I'm not with all my friends, but I'm still pre prepared to stand and to still be consistent. So I think it's worth asking the question to us today. Are we living a consistent lifestyle? Does our life reflect Jesus? Or does it actually reflect something else? Because here's what I know. A living faith that we're talking about, a living faith leads to a consistent life. And this call to consistency doesn't just happen once uh, from Paul. It actually echoes throughout his letters. Let's have a look at some of them. Ephesians 4.1 says this, I therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Philippians 1.27 says this, only let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Colossians 1.10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So let's revisit that question. Are we living a consistent life? Does the Jesus that we claim to follow influence not just our beliefs, but our behavior? Are we living a consistent life? The third thing is this when it comes to living out our faith is that we need to accept the call. Accept the call to live out our faith and to imitate Christ. And throughout the early parts of 1 Thessalonians, we see this, this call to imitate Christ pop up multiple times. The first time we see it pop up is in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6-7. Then pops up again in 1 Thessalonians 2, 14, when it says, For you, brothers and sisters, become imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. So here's what we're laying down. Paul 
isn't just calling us to be people of courage and to be courageous. He's calling us to be people that are consistent, but he's also calling us to copy our lives after Christ, to do what we see Christ doing. We see an example of that, Philippians 2, chapter 5. Check it out. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the call is to, in, in, um, to reflect him, to copy what we see him doing, to bring alignment into our mindset, for us to be people of service, humility, and obedience. And what I love about Paul and what he's doing is he's not just giving a teaching class, how to imitate Christ. He's not just talking about it in theory. As we look at the life of Paul, we see that he actually models it. it he demonstrates it to the people that he gets to interact with. He's living it. You know, if there's only one thing you remember out of everything we talk about today, I want you to remember this one thing. We live out our faith because our faith was not designed to be kept to ourselves. Our faith was not designed to be a clock on or a clock off experience. Our faith was designed to be lived out in all the spaces and places the Lord takes us into. So church today, let's be people that are courageous. Let's be people that are bold in the face of hardship, opposition, persecution, to, to live out our faith. Church, let's be a community who don't contradict the message that we carry and we represent. And let's take up the call to imitate Christ in all things. I invite you just to stand with me as we pray.